you have your Bibles, turn in them with me to Ephesians chapter 1. How's everybody doing? Wow, unbelievable. That's the first unbelievable I've ever gotten to that question. That's great. Well, I'm glad you're unbelievable. We are all, if we are in Christ, in unbelievable conditions today because of his grace to us. And so I'm excited to talk to you about his blessings as we start this new series called Woohoo! Yeah. Been getting a lot of those this weekend. Uh, a lot of woohoos. It's great. Uh, we, as all, uh, or of all people, we should be as Christians uh, the woohooinist. Uh, and so uh, we're going to talk about these blessings that are revealed in the first part of the book of Ephesians, as written by Paul. Uh, but we're also going to uh, spend the entire year, uh, this coming year, uh, in this book of Ephesians. We're going to kind of uh, rename the, the series from time to time as uh, Paul shifts from one subject to another. We'll shift with him. Uh, we'll have, of course, Christmas and Easter and some other things that are more uh, a part of our calendar. But I'm just so excited to go verse by verse through one book with you uh, as we just uh, figure out what God has uh, for us as a church as we study what Paul wrote to this church in Ephesus. Uh, what makes you, turn to someone next to you and, and tell them what makes you say woo-hoo in your life. Go ahead, tell someone next to you what makes you say woo-hoo. Some of you are, are, I'm hearing a lot of you talk, but some of you are like, I'm not going to dignify this with an answer. I would never say woo-hoo. It's far beneath me. I'm sophisticated. Well then, what makes you clap? What's, what makes you smile? Well, however you celebrate, whatever it looks like, what, what makes you do that? Uh, I would say uh, that there are so many amazing uh, quality things that happen in our lives that, that make us, you know, react. Uh, a child's first steps, uh, a child's first words, a child's first potty on his own. Come on. Yeah, right, yeah, there's the parents. <laughs> a game-winning touchdown. Sorry, Florida fans. Man, long year. Yeah, if you're an FSU fan, you need, you need not be clapping either. It's not going to be good for you guys. But if you happen to have, be sending a, a kid to school like I am to USF, yesterday was a good day. Woo-hoo, right? Yeah. Some of you are like, who, who are these you speak of? Fo football teams. Talked to a guy recently and uh, had been praying for him as he uh, went to a series of, of doctor visits wondering about some you know, scary numbers and his results, and he came back to me with a text telling me, scans are clear, right? And I, I, did, I did this little, uh, uh, anybody do this with their emojis, that little party horn thing with the confetti coming out of it? I triple that up, because if you go more than three, it gets really small in the, uh, in the you know, you just got to go three. You got to go three, you know, big party horns, and that's how I say woo-hoo on my texting. Yeah. Yeah, the good things in life make us say woo-hoo. I was sitting in my office just yesterday preparing for this message, and um, my daughter's up at uh, Tallahassee going to FSU, and, and uh, she had texted us early in the morning. She was uh, gone into work, but her car wouldn't start. And this is kind of a hard thing for a dad, four and a half hours away, can't really help your kid, uh, you know, figure out what's under the hood, like I could help anyway. But... Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, she, she texted us, and when she got out of work, she, she, you know, I was sitting there in my office getting ready for this, and, and she FaceTimed me, and I said, she, so we had kind of ascertained it was probably your battery, and so uh, my, my, I gave my, all of my family, I think I told you this in another sermon, I gave all my family jumper cables one Christmas, and so she had her jumper cables, and I am uh, vindicated in that gift. That was a great gift. <laughs> I feel so great about those jumper cables now, because she hauled them out of her trunk, and on FaceTime, she sat out in front of her, you know, townhouse with her roommates, and I walked these girls through jumping a car, right? And, and you know, thank you. Well, thank you very much. It's really hard. If you've never done it, it is almost impossible to do. 
<laughs> if you can do this twice, you're, you're done, you're done. And, and uh, so they clamped those things on in the right terminals and stuff like that, and then she got in the car. And, and this whole, like, FaceTime's so great because you can watch things happen, you know, miles away as they occur in real time. And so I said, well, have your roommate rev her engine, and then we'll pray, Lord, start this car so we can get it to a place where you get your battery changed, and then you just turn the keys. And she's like, all right, count to 10. And we counted it down and turned it over. And, and have you ever seen your, your kid make a face that they're like, <laughs> you know? I couldn't hear the car turn over, but I knew from watching my daughter's face, mission accomplished, right? Yeah, it's little things that make us say woo-hoo, but they're the good things in life, the good things in life that cause us to celebrate. Now, the church word for good things, one of them is this word blessing. (laughs) Blessing is this uh, interesting word. Uh, When someone showed us a kindness, uh, we usually uh, thank them for the blessing that they gave us. Thank you for that. What a blessing to me, uh, this thing that you've done for me. Uh, We often, in return, confer a blessing on them for their blessing. What do we say when someone gives us something? Oh, God bless you. You know, God bless you. Uh, I, I pray that, you know, God just blesses you for how you've blessed me. It's a common term in our vernacular. And sometimes we're a little inexact, inexact with uh, this word blessing. Uh, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago, it became this, this word that we would say after people sneeze, right? Bless you. Who says that when someone sneezes? Okay, I, I think now it's just more kind of polite. It's just a way for us to notice that someone sneezed and, and we've just been trained as a culture to say that after someone sneezes. But you know why I got started, right? When, when someone would sneeze back in the Middle Ages, there was a belief in the Catholic Church that if you sneezed, your spirit would leave you. And your spirit would, would kind of be floating out there in your spit, whatever came out of your mouth. <laughs> and so someone quickly had to say, bless you. And that was a way for God to, I guess on cue, take your spirit back into you after you've sneezed it out. Isn't that crazy? Think about that the next time you're going to say someone, bless you. Do it anyway. But uh, that's not what blessing people is about. Uh, in, in even more nefarious uses of this word blessing, we, uh, we use it to kind of justify any gossip that we want to say. Like if we're in the church and we want to talk about what's going on in your life, we'll say, well, you know, Carol and, and so-and-so are just having a hard time in the mar- their marriages. Bless their hearts. Anybody ever done that, right? If you say the bless your heart after something, it somehow qualifies everything before it is you know, being, uh, okay. Uh, I don't think these are the uh, ways that we should use the word blessing, but uh, I, I want to talk to you today about how we're, we're going to see it used in these next 14 verses of the book of, of, of Ephesians. Uh, in verse 3, uh, uh, the first word is, blessed be the God our Father uh, and our, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This, this word, blessed, and all three of these cases is, is, a, is, a, is one word in, in different forms, but it's this word eulogia. Everybody say eulogia. Yeah, it's a, a word that we translate in our Bibles as blessing, but it's a compound Greek word that comes from the Greek prefix eu, E-U which means good, and logia or logos, which means words. So, so blessing actually means good words. It means to speak well of someone. So when we're praying a, a blessing over our meals, uh, here at noon, if you go out to eat or go home to eat or however you're going to eat. Is anybody going to eat later? Anybody going to eat? Who's going to eat today? Anybody going to eat? America. All right, anyway, uh, as you go to eat your food today, uh, and if you, you know, pause to pray over that thing, who's, who calls it a blessing in their house? Who would like to say the blessing? Anybody said that? 
appropriate use of the word blessing. Why? Because you are pausing before you eat to say good words, to speak well of the God who has provided you this food, right? Isn't that that how your blessings go when you pray for your meals? Thank you, Lord, for the abundance of this, you know, bounty, however you get. Maybe you put some lordeths and uh, thoueth in there. But blessing is appropriate there. It means to speak well of, to speak good words of. Uh, Without getting into this because I want to preach it later, here's basically what we got as we open the book of Ephesians. Paul says, no, no, go back for me. Thank you. Paul says, hey, Ephesians, let's speak well of God. Let's, Let's throw some good words out there about God our Father. Why? Because he's done good by us. He's blessed us in Christ. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I'll get to that. But but here's the bottom line. When it comes to uh, being a Christian, we should be the woo-hooinest people in the world. We're the woo-hoo tribe. We wake up every day to the incredible blessing of being chosen as one of God's children. Our faith has taken us not in, you know, uh, in an arrogant way or in a you know, look down our nose way, but it's taken us above the rest of humanity. God loves everybody, don't get me wrong. He loves all seven billion plus of us. But he has blessed those of us who are in Christ in ways that the rest of the world don't get. And I know it's a tough world out there, right? Dog eat dog world, and we're all wearing milk bone underwear, right? Isn't that, isn't that true? That's Norm off of Cheers. I won't say that next service. That wasn't in the last service either. But anyway, uh, but it's tough. And here's what happens a lot of times. I, I lose my woo-hoo. My, my woo-hooer gets broke, right? Because here's what happens. I, I turn my focus from all the blessings that God gives me, and I put my focus on all the things that aren't, all the things that I wish were. I become consumed uh, with the trials of my life. And sometimes, if I'm honest, I even end up blaming God instead of blessing God. Or, <laughs> I'm uh, way too prone to this, uh, instead of saying woo-hoo and thanking God for all the blessings that he's given me, I, I go to my prayers and I demand more. I mean, that's great, good. W- but what have you done for me lately? You know, come on, cosmic Santa Claus, give me some more stuff. Bless me more. Oh, that we might be a church that leads the league in woohoos. That we might be a place where when people come in here, they they could sense lots of things about us, make judgments of different kinds, but I pray that everyone who walks in here walks out of here sensing and believing that we are a a people who understand that God has blessed us immeasurably. That God uh, is the focus of our lives and our gratitude for him, for his blessings is palpable, it's visible. Not just in how we hang out in this room together but in how we go and live our lives. We are always ready to speak well of our God and his blessings. I pray this sermon uh, is a sermon for all of us as we walk out of here to to be mindful of our blessings in Christ, to be grateful for our blessings in Christ, 
and to walk out of here renewed in our commitment to live in light of those blessings. It's a huge game changer. It's a huge uh, chin lifter if you can get to the point where you focus more on your blessings and less on the curses that are a part of living in this world. I'm not saying you live in denial. I'm not saying you're pie in the sky, but I am saying that you and I are blessed in Christ by a God who loves us, who when we were at our worst, sent Christ to die for us, who bestows upon us every spiritual blessing through the Holy Spirit who is in us. I know there's bad days, but if you're in Christ, every day is a good day. Even in the opening verses of Ephesians, the blessings abound. I'm just going to walk us through three verses today. It's still going to take about 30 minutes. How's it going? But there's so much. Even in these verses, as you read the Bible, sometimes you read through the first verses, it just seems like, meh, let's get to the good stuff. No, these first few verses are rife with blessings if you peel back the layers. We're going to see uh, some blessings even in and how Paul introduces himself. We're going to see that Paul is blessed. Look what it says in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. This, this is how they signed their letters back then. We signed them at the end. They signed them at the beginning. But Paul would never just say Paul and then move on. He always says something about who he is. He always wants to make sure uh, of a couple things. He wants to instill his authority as an apostle, okay? Uh, back then, the church didn't have a Bible to kind of have that as their guide. There hadn't been these you know, thousands of years of church history to fall back on. It was the early church, and the leaders of the church needed to be followed and heard. And so Paul was in the you know, habit of just basically in the beginnings of most of his letters saying, listen, I'm an apostle. I'm, an, I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ, but I'm an apostle. You've got to listen to me. I'm not sent by my own will. I'm sent by the will of God. So he wants to establish his authority, but he also wants to say something. Everybody worried about this falling? He also wants to say something about who he is in Christ. First of all, he starts with this uh, his name, Paul. Was that always his name? No. So if you've been around the Bible, you know that Paul started out as this guy named Saul, Saul from Tarsus. He was a, a Jew, a Jew of Jews, uh, from the tribe of Benjamin, Philippians tells us. Uh, and so that's probably how he got his name. There was this guy in the Old Testament in the book of 1 Samuel, a guy named Saul. He happened to be the first king of Israel. And guess what tribe he was from? Benjamin, yeah. And so probably lots of Benjamite moms uh, said, hey, let's call our kid Saul. And they did it for a reason. Maybe I don't know what your name came from. Uh, I, I think my name was, uh, I don't know what my name come from, that, uh, but just maybe I made a mark, or I don't know, but, uh, uh, but many times names come to people uh, and they want, they're meant to confer meaning, and especially in the Jewish culture, this is true. So Saul, uh, historically, had been this mighty warrior in the nation of Israel. In fact, he was chosen to be king, anybody remember why? He was head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. Now, we understand that to be literal. He was a big, tall guy, a big, strong, strapping guy, and you wanted your, your king to be the champion of the army. Uh, but he was also esteemed by the nation of Israel. I mean, everybody says, who are we going to make king? And everybody pointed at Saul. Uh, Saul started out fairly decently, humbly, even kind of fearful and nervous. Uh, at his coronation, he hung in, or he, he hid himself in the baggage. Read that story. It's a fascinating story. Now, he didn't want to become king, but when he became king, you know what? He got pretty cocky. He got pretty confident with himself. So cocky that he actually displaced the, the prophet at the time, a guy named Samuel, 
he, he started doing sacrifices that were only meant for the prophet to do. He started doing them himself because he thought, well, I'm Saul, I'm the king. I'm somebody, I'm something. Fast forward to the New Testament and this Saul, same kind of mentality. He, he thought he was somebody, he thought he was something. In fact, uh, he, if you read his description of himself in Philippians, he, he called himself more zealous than anybody, smarter than anybody. He was, he was pretty, pretty amazing. But then in Acts chapter nine, this amazing Saul, this head and shoulders above anybody else Saul, uh, was walking to Damascus and he, he met Jesus. Remember, Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me, right? And it's the first time Saul uttered these words to the Son of God. He said, Lord, and other things, but he called him Lord. And everything changed for Saul that day. Now, we kind of lose sight of Saul. He, he starts out in Damascus. Uh, uh, he gets his eyesight back. He had lost that on the, on the encounter that he had with Jesus, but he, he kind of learns to become a Christian. He, he gets discipled. He starts sharing his faith in the synagogues there. They, they, everybody catches word of the fact that he's kind of sh, you know, shifted teams. He's gone from you know, being a Jew to being a Christian, and so they wanted to kill him. Every, on both sides, people wanted to kill him still. And so he kind of goes into hiding. He he disciples for a long time. He doesn't really reemerge in, in the book of Acts until Acts chapter 13 when uh, he's going to church in a place called Antioch and the, the elders there in Antioch says, you know what would be a good idea for you and this guy Barnabas to start kind of taking the gospel north, head out towards the Mediterranean, start sharing the gospel with Gentiles, which hadn't been done much uh, before then. <laughs> and so they go, and they're, they're actually sharing the gospel uh, in, in this, this one city, and, and, uh, and, and they're being opposed by people who didn't believe in God or believe in Jesus or believed in false gods. And, and they're being challenged by uh, magicians and sorcerers, black magic folks. Uh, and, and, and so basically, we, we drop in here, and it's in Acts chapter 13, verse 9. And, and, and this is where it all changes. Uh, but Saul, who was there with Barnabas, testifying about the gospel, uh, and this, this is where his name shifts. Just a little, you know, byline. Who was also called what? Paul. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked intently at this guy that he was confronting, and he called him a son of a devil, and he goes on from there. Uh, he didn't lose all of his backbone, this guy, Saul, when he became Paul. But you know why his name was changed? Anybody know what Paul means? Paul means small. It means tiny. It means less. Like, have you ever, you know, uh, said this of, of, a, of a meal that you were served? This is kind of a paltry amount of chicken, Paltry is small, and that's the same root for the name Paul. Isn't that interesting that Saul became Paul, that head and shoulders above became less? And if you read his writings, uh, he was always the first one to bang on himself. He was always talking about how he was a loser. <laughs> he, uh, he was uh, you know, writing to his friend Timothy in his first letter to Timothy, and he, he told him, listen, man, uh, Talk to sinners and, and understand that I am the greatest of those who sin. I'm the chief of sinners. Uh, he uh, came to his friends in Corinth, and in the first letter that he wrote to his buddies in Corinth, he says, listen, when I came to you, I didn't come you know, preaching anything but the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in fact, I came to you with fear and with trembling. I was a wreck. I didn't know what I was doing. And God used me despite that. In his second letter to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, He's talking to his friends again, and he says, listen, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He's talking about him and his friends. 
who are being judged by those in Corinth. And he's saying, listen, guys, it's not about us. Don't look at us. It's never been about us. We're just jars. We're just vessels. We're empty inside. If there's any power in us, it comes from the God who uses us to glorify himself in ministry. (laughs) So Paul is blessed by God to be rescued from his former arrogant, self-reliant self and to be made new as a humble servant of the Most High God. Every time he introduced himself, Paul was reminding himself of where he'd been and where he is now. So question, in life, who are you? Are you a Saul or are you a Paul? Are you someone who comes to church with the mentality of serve me, give me what I want, I'm the important one here? Are you someone who comes to your life with Christ and says, no, I've been served, I've been honored, I've been blessed, and so I want to remain as small as possible? Are you a Saul or a Paul? I will tell you this, that the blessings of God typically come to those who humble themselves. Your smallness is a key to the work of God in your life and to the blessings of God in your life. If I had to put it another way, I would say blessing starts with our be blessing. You see what I did there? Paul was blessed to be less. The question is, are we? But he also says there, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm an apostle of, oh, it's, it'll come, yeah, there it is. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm Paul, I'm small, but I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul had been sent by Jesus himself to the early church. He's, he's not doing what he's doing for his own glory. He's not writing this letter because he had a great idea. He thought he'd write some things down, but he's doing it because the will of God has dictated that he would minister this way to this church. He understands that this is uh, way beyond him. It's not about him and, and what he even has to do. It's what he gets to do. I talk to you about it all the time. The Christian life is a get-to, not a got-to. Because he understands who has called him and who has saved him. He sees that anything that God asks him to do is an immense privilege. It's just the highest calling that he could have on his life. And he, and he runs to it willingly and seeks to honor God in it. I didn't uh, serve in our military, but I'm so grateful for those of you who have. And I know there's certain posts in the military that are honorable posts, being part of color guards and part of the the teams that remember the fallen. Those are posts that, uh, from what I understand, are given uh, as, as, as duties of honor. It's not like people who have to, you know, uh, go to a, a funeral and think, oh, man. No, they understand that this, this makes a difference. This, this matters, and it's been conferred on me as an honor. Paul understood that. Uh, we should understand that. I remember the first time I got asked to preach, I was scared out of my mind. I'd been serving in the youth ministry for years, and, and Pete, my former pastor, says, you know what, Mark, it's time for you to get up on the, on the big stage and talk to the adults. And I was like, well, those are different. I don't know how to do that. And so he worked with me. And I remember at first just being like, no, I, I don't want to do this. And I, I'd never been interested in being a senior pastor. And, uh, and you know, uh, anyway, uh, but he just stayed on me. And, and he just pounded it into my head. This is, a, this is an honor. This is a blessing for God to use you. It's not about you, Mark. Get over yourself. It's about God using you. And he taught me to preach. And he, uh, you know, uh, listened to me as I practiced. And he got a taboo buzzer. Remember that game, Taboo? You know, he would, he would buzz me every time I said, uh, or mm, or, or was going too long at a certain point. Like some of you might start doing as you come next week and bring your taboo buzzers. 
But he did all of this, and, and then came the day that I was to preach. I was so nervous. We were a, a dressed-down church just like you know, we are here. I put on my suit. I just wanted any edge that I could find. And I sweat through three shirts that morning before I preached. I was so nervous. I had read the verses earlier uh, in, in my study that, you know, if anyone leads one of these little ones astray, it's better for them to have a rope and a rock tied around their neck and thrown into the lake. I was like, great. I'm going to get the cement shoes after this. I'm going to blow this, right? But I got up there and I preached. And uh, I, don't, I still don't remember what I said. I watched the video. I was like, oh, I said that? Oh, wow, cool. That actually made sense, right? When I got done, I was, I, I was so unseasoned. I just said, well, that's all I got. I'm done. And that's how I closed my sermon. <laughs> but you know what happened in that room? A Holy Spirit thing happened. Lots of families that I'd served, their kids, lots of you know, people I'd served with in our church for the three or four years before this happened. They just stood. And they celebrated. Not me. I, I think many of them were relieved. <laughs> Glad that's over. Whoa. I thought he was just going to blow it and be fried right there on the stage. But we celebrated. And I remember walking off that stage just being almost overwhelmed by the experience of using a gift that God has given me for the first time and just sensing the honor it was. It wasn't the best sermon. I've never preached the best sermon. But just to be able to be used of God in that way. Paul says, hey, man, I'm small and I'm called and what a blessing it is to be both. The Ephesians, uh, they're blessed too. And, and, and in them, all churches are blessed. Who read this? Uh, we understand that we share in these same blessings that the Ephesians shared with. He, he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful who are in Christ Jesus. He could have just said to Ephesus. I mean, that's how we start our letters, you know. Uh, dear Skip, you know. Dear Danny, we do, we don't, I don't, when I write, Dan, I've never written you, Danny, but if I wrote you, I wouldn't like to be right, dear Danny, you're a great guy. I wouldn't do all that stuff. We just say names, right? But Paul, Paul was always careful to commend those that he was writing, to describe for them who they are. He makes a statement about their position in Christ right off the bat. He calls them saints. See that? To the saints. Now, this is a very strange thing for a guy, especially a former Pharisee to be doing, because in the Old Testament, uh, in the Jewish scriptures, saints was a word that was reserved entirely for the children of Israel, for Jews only. Uh, newsflash, Ephesus was mostly Gentiles, and mostly like wicked pagan Gentiles who had come from uh, you know, idol worship and, and uh, you know, worshiping through temple prostitutes to, to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. But Paul says, hey, all y'all, it's an all y'all, to the saints, not just to the Jews, not just to the, to the varsity Christians in Ephesus, not just to the paid pastors or the, the elders of the church, all y'all, to the saints. Every one of you, if you are in Christ, you are a saint. Some of you grew up Catholic and you're like, no, I'm not, because I don't have a church named after me. I don't have a, you know, a, something that I'm a saint of. And, and, and listen, I understand you know, why different denominations or you know, places do different things, but the Bible says clearly, if you're a Christian, you're a saint. What does it mean to be a saint? You're holy. You're set apart. You're elevated. Like I said, you're blessed in this new position with Christ. He doesn't stop there. He calls them faithful. 
He says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. What a great conference. What a great commendation to give that church or any church, to call them faithful. The Greek word there is pistoi, and it basically means all kinds of different things. All kinds of variants of faithfulness are tied up in this one Greek word. But I think, as Paul's writing this, he wants them all to be included in this one understanding, this one idea. Because basically, here's what he's saying about the Ephesians. He knows that they live in the faith. That they, they have put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what's made them saints. And so he's celebrating their salvation. You guys got the gospel. You chose it. God chose you. You live in the faith. But he's also saying, I know you live by faith. You live this life in a world that rejects you and what you believe, trusting in a God who's going to provide your every need. You did that while I was with you. I know you're, you're, you're seeking to do that now. You live by faith. And then he's, he's also saying this, and I know you live faithfully. And some of you are like, well, what's, what's the difference? Uh, we can live by faith intermittently. Some of us are really good at that. Like we're foxhole Christians, right? Like when things go really, really bad, our faith you know, gland just goes, and we just, all faith is all the time. And, but when things are fine, faith is gone, right? And we can even kind of try to, you know, kind of trend to, uh, you know, worshiping other things than the God that we serve. But Paul's saying, no, you guys don't do that. You live in the faith. You've chosen Christ, and Christ has chosen you. You live by, the, by faith, and, and, and you live trusting God. And then you live faithfully, giving your all, all the time. We're all called to be faithful in Christ Jesus. Christ used a, a, a really cool metaphor to kind of explain that. He says in John 15 that he is the vine and we are the branches. And so uh, if, if we are a part of him, uh, we can do anything, but he says in that same run of verses, apart from me, you can do how much? Nothing, you're, you're, just, you're dead, you're like a twig separated from the vine. His, his point there is, is that as long as you're in the faith, living by faith, faithfully, things grow, things change, things happen in life with me. But if you separate from those things, things go in other directions. It's interesting there, if you ever look at a branch, uh, I don't know about you, but most of the branches have other branches on them. Has anybody noticed that? Like there's the trunk and then there's the big branches and then there's the little branches that have even more little branches that have more little branches. Are you with me? Have you seen a tree? <laughs> you know what his metaphor also covers? It doesn't cover just being in Christ. It covers being in the body of Christ and in life with those who are in Christ. That's what all those little branches are. You, you, if, if you are in Christ, you're not meant to just be following him and then just be kind of siloed by yourself somewhere off in Nowhereville. You're meant to be in, in, in the body of Christ and, and living out your faith in Christ with those who are doing it around you. One last thing to note here in this second verse, uh, it's basically, uh, if you can go back, I'm sorry, the first one, it says, um, uh, to the saints in, who are in Ephesus and are in, in faithful in Christ Jesus. There's two, two locations there, in Ephesus and in Christ. And Paul, yeah, I think, masterfully brings out the fact that we live in two worlds. Did you know that? We are uh, citizens of two worlds. When we put our faith in Christ, we become citizens of heaven. He's actually gonna talk about that in a couple verses. But we still remain here where? On earth. And here's what happens a lot of times with Christians. We kind of go back and forth. I'm at church right now. 
heaven, right? I'm at work tomorrow, earth. <laughs> I'm at my life group, heaven, right? I'm fighting with my spouse, earth. We kind of ping pong back and forth between the worlds. In fact, some of us, we kind of make a split, like I'm 10% heaven, 90% earth. I go to church on Sunday for an hour and then I live however I want with the rest of my life. Some of us, not as many, but some of us are 90% heaven, 10% earth. Like we get so into our spiritual sides of life that we just isolate ourselves from everybody else around us. Everybody else is evil. Everything is evil. And God has called us to this mission as being agents of his in this world that we live in. So some of you are like, okay, so 50-50? No, 100-100. You live 100% for Christ as you'll live 100% yielded to him in this world that he's given you to honor him in. Are you with me? He goes on to verse two and he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great conference of uh, a greeting. He actually took two greetings, the one that the Greeks used and the one that the Jews used, and he just mashed them together like a sandwich. Grace was what you would say if you were a Greek saying hi to each other. The Greek word was kareen, and you would say, rejoice. Uh, I'm here, I guess, right? (laughs) Something like that. Uh, But then if you were a Jew, you had been saying this, you know, since the beginning of, of Jewishness. If you saw someone, and still to this day, if you go to Israel and you greet someone, what do you say? Shalom, peace, peace be to you. And so Paul says, you know what, let's take both of these greetings, the Greek one and the Jew thing, uh, because what are we as a Christian church? We're smashed together. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, we're all one in Christ Jesus. And he says, we'll just make our greeting one. Greek greeting, Jewish greeting, grace and peace. You've heard me say this before, I'll just say it one more time if you haven't. Grace is what produces peace. Without grace, there can be no peace. Whether it's our salvation, without the grace of God through Jesus Christ, we cannot have peace with God in a relationship with him. But not just salvifically, uh, practically. If you want peace in life, God's gonna have to give it to you. That's what grace is, it's a gift. Because in our human selves, peace is fleeting. We might try to produce it through alcohol or drugs or other things, running away, that's a great, you know, uh, a method that some people use. I'll just, I'll leave this family and find another one where I can have some peace. No, that's not how it works. God doesn't want us escaping through other routes. He wants us to lean on him and what he can give us by his grace. In fact, I would say this just quickly. Peace, <coughs> uh, peace is this thing that happens when we turn our thoughts away from what's making us anxious and angry and bitter and put our thoughts on the graces that God has given us. See, because anxiety is not an emotion thing first, it's a head thing first. Like you start thinking certain things and that starts making you feel certain ways and then eventually it comes to your stomach with ulcers and stuff like that, but it starts here, goes here, and then blah, right? So it starts here, goes here, and you can't sleep at night. And what, what this greeting tells us is that, no, that's not how it works at all, or not how it's supposed to work, because Paul says in another Bible uh, book, Philippians, he says, be anxious for nothing, right? But with what? With prayers and askings, with thanksgiving, make your petitions known to God. Just talk to him and receive from him this grace that he gives to be able to take your eyes off of 
the less, off of the trial, off of the hurts, and put them back on his grace and his blessings. The silver lining that every one of us has in life. Every one of us has it. Some people are great at doing that, and they live these peaceful existences. Aren't you jealous of them? They're able to rise above uh, the stuff and focus on the good. That's what grace gives us. Paul goes on, and we'll finish with this. He basically tells us in the third verse, which leads into everything that comes after it here in this, uh, this first chapter, uh, he says, if you go back for me, he says, um, we should bless God, the Father, for blessing us. We read this earlier, but it starts out like this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Is how it finishes. But let's just start with that. This is the command. Paul, uh, first things first. He comes to the Ephesus and he says, hey, I'm going to tell you a whole bunch of stuff here, but let's get first things first. Everybody in here should be grateful to God. Speak well of God. Praise God. Why? Because he has blessed us with Christ and every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. You know what it tells us about Ephesus in the book of Revelation? If you go there in the second chapter, Jesus is talking to John who wrote that book of your Bible. And he's saying, hey, I want you to write seven letters to seven different churches and let's start with Ephesus. And so he starts with Ephesus and he says these great things. He commends Ephesus for being, for being faithful and serving and, and, and for you know, staying steadfast as they've been persecuted. But then you know what he says? But this is what I have against you. You've lost your first love. Oh, isn't that the, the potential for any church? We can get busy doing all kinds of stuff for Jesus but we can lose our love and our passion and our gratitude towards Jesus, right? And so maybe Paul knew that this was gonna be a problem here in Ephesus, and so if I'm gonna write him a letter, I better start with this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all don't forget to love and praise the God who has done for you. Because that's from whence everything else flows as you live for him in this life. He says, we are blessed by the Son, we are blessed by the Son. Blessed be the God of our, uh, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, we are blessed by the Son, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Jesus has blessed us at the cross by taking our punishment for our sin and giving us victory over spiritual death. He has blessed us in his resurrection by giving us victory over physical death. He has blessed us in his ascension by being the first fruits of a resurrection ascension that will be ours someday. He goes on to bless us daily with his abiding presence, with his word that he's revealed himself to us in, with his love for us, with his direction in our lives. He is a blesser. And we have been blessed with him. We are in Christ. This means that what is true of him is true of us. We are seated at the right hand of the Father. We are joint heirs with Jesus of all that God has to give him. He shares with us all that is his. And it tells us that his chief gift to us in the scriptures is the one that he predicted would come. It's his Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul says we, uh, we are blessed with the Spirit. Uh, praise be to God our Father uh, and, the, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This could be actually rendered in the Greek uh, to English as, as, as he's blessed us with the Holy Spirit. He's blessed us with the blessings that come from the Holy Spirit. 
Without going into a whole sermon on that, there's, there's a lot of those. But let's just talk about the ones that were probably the most popular ones. Anybody ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? What are those? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Did I miss one? Faithfulness, thank you. I always miss faithfulness. I just got done talking about it. Yeah, when, the, when, when, when Jesus saved us from our old selves and made us new, the Holy Spirit indwelt us. We're going to read that later in the book of Ephesians. And with him came all of these amazing graces that are a part of himself. Graces that bless our lives. Is anybody here grateful for patience when you need it? That comes from the Holy Spirit. Anybody grateful for love that goes beyond what is lovable in the person, right? Uh, if you love unconditionally, that's the Holy Spirit's love flowing through you. Anybody grateful for joy on the bad days? I could go on. The fruit of the Spirit bless us, but they don't stop there. The fruit of the Spirit are meant to be uh, these things that flow from us to the world around us, to be a blessing to others. So you extend patience to someone who is trying yours. You're kind and you're gentle. You're faithful when other people walk out. You, you get to do those things so that the Holy Spirit can be seen in you by other people and they can benefit from his presence in your life. <laughs> he goes on and he finishes this with, we, we are blessed in heavenly places. This basically means that uh, that whole thing about we are in Ephesus and we are in Christ, we, we, are, we are, even right now, did you know that you are a resident of heaven right now? Some of you are thinking, no, that's coming later. That's when I die, Mark. No, eternity has begun. That's not even the right word. You can't even say that. Eternity doesn't have a beginning or an end. But you are in eternity right now. You exist eternally right now. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you shifted addresses. You went from an eternity without God to an eternity with God. And you, even though you can't see it, you are there. This Christ life is an already not yet existence. You're there. But let's even go beyond that. Let's get weirder. You ready? There's this whole world around us, this spiritual realm that we don't even see. We are the, the subjects of spiritual warfare. We're agents of God's adversary, Satan. Uh, war to pull us away from God as, as agents of God. His angels defend us in this realm that we do not see. And so what does Paul remind the Ephesians and us of? Hey, we're blessed by the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's given us Christ. He's given us the Spirit. He's secured for us our eternity in heaven, but he's protecting us in this invisible war that's going on right now. Is anybody feeling blessed? Has anybody got some woo-hoo going on up in here? Because this is some good stuff. We, you know, we come in here, yeah, okay, great, theology, cool, all right, walk out. And it doesn't change how we live. Oh, it should change how we live. I used to sing these songs as we close in church growing up. One of them was a, a song that we sang at prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Sounded good with just the piano, right? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Anybody remember that one? You've got to be a certain age. There was a, a bridge to that song that said, he has done great things, right? He has done great things. He has done great things. Bless his holy name. Great song, great song. 
Second, my whole life, never understood the theology in it once until I studied this passage this week. They're ripping it right out of Ephesians 1.3. What are we saying? Speak well of God. Bless the Lord. Say good things about our God. Why? Because he's done great things. He's blessed us with Christ. He's blessed us with the Holy Spirit. He's given us eternity. Wake up, church. This is the good stuff. This is why you can smile on a bad day. Because, yeah, this is a mess, but he is awesome. And he's given us all that we have. Another song we sang. This one was kind of more of a, an accordion song. Like a polka, right? <laughs> Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Hey! You may know that one? Yeah. Another great song. A very uh, specific song. It says, do this, count your blessings. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you paused to think about the amazing ways that God has served you? Or the amazing ways if we're all one in Christ and we're a part of the vine and we celebrate with those who God is blessing? When was the last time you paused to think of all the amazing miracles that are happening around you? There's a family in our life group. Uh, Jason and Stacy are their names. Uh, they're the Hoods. And uh, they're in Boston right now. Their three-year-old son, Hawkins, was born with some very serious heart uh, uh, issues. Uh, eight days into his life, he had his first open-heart surgery. And uh, uh, it's kind of been touch and go. Lots of prayer, lots of faith, lots of believing, but it came time for his next surgery. As he got old enough to be able to take it, they knew they were going to have to go in and correct some other things. And so the elders and I gathered with them last Sunday in our church, or in my office here at church, uh, as we were finishing up the, the, the morning, and we laid hands on this kid and we prayed for him as much as he would let us. He was kind of fidgety. Uh, but he went up uh, uh, Tuesday morning to Boston Children's and had the best specialist in this uh, area in the country work on him. That's how serious this was. Uh, so we're texting back and forth as we're praying. And I'll never forget what Jason, the father, said as he was talking to us. Remember what he said? He said, listen, we're praying for God's best. We're believing for God's best. We are claiming the promises of God for our son and his health. But we understand that if this isn't God's will, God is still God. He is still worthy of our praise, and we will not cease to praise him regardless of what happens with our little boy, right? Well, the good news is uh, Hawkins went through his surgery. I don't know if you got the picture of him, but he went through his surgery uh, just this uh, past Thursday. And, uh, this is a great picture. You know why? That respirator that was helping him breathe, it's not on his face anymore. You know why? The surgery was a success in the grace of God. I was texting with Jason this morning, and they're hoping to move him to a, a general room. Uh, it's gone so well that he doesn't even need to be in ICU anymore. It was just a, an overwhelming answer to prayer. I'm sitting there in my office reading these texts, and I'm like, well, there it is. Count your blessings. This one's not mine, specifically, but it's ours, because they're ours and we're theirs, right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close like this. I know you're ready to go. But would you just pause? I know some of you are sitting with your family members. Some of you might be alone. That's fine. You can just take out your phone and kind of interact with yourselves. But uh, <laughs> that's horrible. That sounded really bad. If you want to talk to someone next to you, you can ask them to talk to you. That sounded horrible. Anyway, or if you just don't want to talk to anybody, do whatever you want, okay? But here's what we're going to do. We're going to finish this morning counting our blessings. 
And then I'm going to close because we've got to get out of here for another service. But then you're going to go maybe to serve somewhere next service. Thanks for serving. Or you're going to get in your cars and go to whatever you do after church on Sundays. But here's what you normally do. Maybe you get in there and you talk about how, you know, he was so long this morning. I don't know what you say. But here's what I want you to do. Turn the radio off. Calm your kids down if they're in the back. And just count your blessings as a family. Write them down. Put them on the fridge this week. Look at them every morning. And as you start your day, quote that verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing here in the heavenly realms. You think about those blessings and just watch how God changes your life. Talk to each other. Count your blessings. Go ahead, I'll close in prayer in a second. You can talk. Go ahead. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. I know people are talking, but we gotta get out of here. I pray that these conversations can uh, continue as we leave this place. Uh, help us to um, reflect on uh, the countless blessings. We'll never be able to uh, finish the list, but help us to remember that you've blessed us, that you will bless us. Uh, help us to be mindful and grateful. Uh, help us, God, to live in light of your blessings. I'm, I'm, I'm blessing you, God. I'm praising you, God, uh, for the man who went to our men's group and hung out with his buddy Glenn and put his faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. I'm praising you, God, for stories like Hawkins. Uh, as we pray and you answer, uh, we're just blessed uh, by your deliverance. But I'm even praising you, God, for the things uh, that haven't found resolution yet, for the ways that people are going through stuff in life and it's still hard, because uh, I know you're in those things and that you love us and uh, by your spirit, you're going to guide us and use us to glorify your name. So God, thank you for your blessings, for being a blessing to us. We, we bless your name. We speak well of you because you are worthy. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. The church said, amen. 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 Woohoo. Amen.